Welcome to the Marriage on Fire podcast, the show for couples that shares research-based relationship insights, advice, and strategies for creating and sustaining a happy and fulfilling marriage, where we look at the stuff that truly makes the relationship and how to live a good life. And here's your host, husband and dad and relationship coach, Gideon Hanacom, creator of the popular New Zealand-based blog, TheRelationshipGuy.com. Hey everybody, this is Gideon and welcome back to episode number seven. So today we're going to talk about the issue of communication. So whenever couples reach out to me to work with me one-on-one, the issue of communication almost always comes up. When people reach out to me to work with me as my uh, coaching clients, they have to go through an application process. And I tend to ask people about the number one or some of the sort of top issues they struggle with. And the issue of communication is almost always, you know, among the top three. So I thought to do a short program uh, episode for you guys today on the issue of communication. Now, of course, there is a lot to say about communication, and obviously, we're going to break this down even further as as this uh, podcast is sort of built out and grows. But I, I kind of wanted to give you something to start with anyway, because I think sometimes we as couples have misconceptions and understandings around a lot of things and when things don't go our way or when we get reactions we didn't expect we're kind of quite surprised by them and i think there is uh it's it's very much the same when it comes to communication oftentimes you have couples or partners within relationships who think that they're communicating something but their partners are always responding in a in sort of an unexpected way and they don't know why that is and i think it has to do with the fact that we sometimes underestimate and also we're kind of not always aware of the fact that communication is far more than words. So I want to ask a question sort of right out of the gate. And the question is, what is communication? Before we can improve communication, what is it? Well, in essence, in my understanding of communication, it is really nothing else but the transference and receiving of information. So when I'm communicating with you, I'm transferring certain information. I want you to know something. I want you to understand something. And you're receiving that information. But as I am transferring information to you, in my brain, I am encoding my message, meaning that I come up with the words I use, how I say it to you, you know, my body language, whether I'm using my hands, my eye contact, everything. So I'm encoding the message, the information, and I'm transferring, sending it to you, and then you receive it. But as you receive it, you then decode that information. A lot of it's unconscious, but you pick up what I'm saying. You're picking up what I'm communicating, and you, from that, then create a meaning. And so when we understand communication in this way, we quickly understand that communication is something that is far more than just words. Communication is more than the words we use. Ultimately, everything we do communicates. Everything communicates. And so if you look at the the work of Dr. Albert Morabian, who actually is the author of the book um, Silent Messages, he actually broke down communication into three parts. That explains this very well. And I always sort of teach this to some of my coaching clients, especially those who struggle with communication, because sometimes people can get stuck on the words they use within their conversations or when they have conflict. But when they start understanding that communication is more than the words we use, they actually then start understanding why it is that their partners are perhaps responding to them the way that they are. So Dr. Morabian broke down communication into three parts. The first part is what he called communication through nonverbal expressions. And what he said was about 55% of what we're communicating at any given time is through nonverbal expressions. 
And so in his research, what he meant by nonverbal expressions was, you know, it included, uh, included things like posture and gestures and facial expressions and all those type of things. So essentially body language. So 55%, according to Dr. Albert Morabian, uh, according to him, 55% of everything we communicate is body language. It's nonverbal. 38% of what we communicate is what he said, or what he called vocal tones. In other words, the way that you the way that you say something, how you say something, the way you use your voice. So when your voice goes up, you know, when it rises slightly when you're angry, or when it drops slightly when you're flirting with your with your partner. So 55% is body language and 38% is vocal. When you put those two numbers together, you have 93% of communication being essentially non sort of uh, non-verbal in, in a sense. It's got nothing to do with words. Only about 7% of what we communicate are actually words. Yet when couples think about communication, we're often sort of just stuck on the words we use. We think about what our partners are saying. Yet what Dr. Morabian came up with, and I tend to agree with this, is that much of what we're saying, or the, the vast majority of what we're saying, is actually non-verbal. It's actually not verbal at all. And so when you start thinking of communication this way, you can very quickly start to understand why it is that we could be saying something to our partners verbally, yet be getting a completely different response to what we thought we'd get. And when you think about it, you know, many arguments don't really stem from what people are saying to each other. It's, it's many arguments stem from, you know, not, not from the what somebody says to their significant other, but actually how they end up saying something. You know, because when you say the right thing in the right tone, you typically get the result you want. You, you tend to move things forward. But when you say the right thing in the wrong tone, you can then end up with defensiveness. So even though you're using the right words, you're saying the right thing, but your tonality is wrong. Maybe you are slightly impatient with your tonality. Maybe you're slightly angry or maybe slightly uh, frustrated because of something else completely unrelated. So you're still saying the right thing, but if you're using the wrong tone, suddenly you don't get the right result. You end up with defensiveness. Or perhaps when you're saying the wrong thing in the wrong tone, that typically causes an eruption, as you some of you know you might know. But think about this for a moment. When you say the wrong thing, meaning that you're saying the wrong words, so to speak, but you're using the right tone, like if there's no malice in what you're saying and you genuinely, you know, you're not trying to hurt your partner, but you just said the wrong thing or used the wrong words. You might actually just end up with mild irritation. Yet, you know, you can still get away with it and you can still get around it. It doesn't lead to an argument, doesn't lead to any conflict because you said the wrong thing but with the right tone. So tonality or nonverbal expressions play a huge role when it comes to communicating. Yet a lot of couples are completely unaware of this. We we trigger these reactions in our partners. And on our minds we go, but you know, I'm using the right words, I'm I'm saying things the best way I can. But the reason we're missing it is because we're missing or we're completely oblivious to the fact that we're not just communicating with words. Everything communicates. Our tonality does. Our nonverbal expressions do. Everything communicates. And even though we might be using the right words in our understanding, our partners pick up way more than just our words. And so we end up with, you know, kind of these perfect uh, environment, you know, perfect scenarios where our partners respond to us in a completely unexpected way because what they picked up uh, from what we were communicating uh, were just completely different from what we thought we transferred to them. So another thing that sometimes causes uh, arguments and, you know, in, you know, sort of escalates uh, conflict 
isn't just uh, our, our complete, you know, lack of understanding and being oblivious to the fact that everything communicates. But sometimes many arguments also happen because of poor timing, meaning when certain things are being discussed. So what I've learned is in my own life, but also having worked with many couples now, is that in order to reduce conflict, not only do you need to take off, take care of how you say certain things, but you also need to think about when you're talking about certain things. Sometimes you need to improve your timing. Sometimes you need to improve when you want to talk about difficult things because timing or the time when you try and talk about things also play a role. I've had this uh, many times in working with people when you know, one partner wants to talk to the other one, but it's after a long days, a day, day of work, or maybe the one partner came home very late, but they're upset about something, and then they want to kind of have this very, very deep uh, and uh, you know potentially um, explosive conversation very late at night, or maybe they do start the conversation early on in the evening, but it sort of just drags out because they can't resolve the issue, and it just drags into the night, uh, sort of night hours and and uh, until one of the partners just almost literally passes out so timing is hugely important sometimes you need to kind of just you know be better with your timing and, and when you want to talk about stuff so take care of how you talk about things and be aware of how you say things but also be aware of when it is that you typically want to talk about stuff because chances are if you keep triggering certain responses in your partner it might be because you're just really really bad at choosing the right time to talk to them about things that are important so a better way to do that is to actually just make a time and place to discuss problems or concerns that either of you might be finding problematic or things that you need to work through. When I talk to couples about timing and I talk to them about choosing better times, you know, or at least not choosing the wrong time to talk about things, some couples respond by saying, well, you know, it's still obviously still important to talk about these things. And and I always, you know, say to couples, well, I've never said that you shouldn't talk about difficult things. But what I know is, is that when you talk about difficult things at the wrong time, you're most likely going to end up with an argument versus resolving the issue. So a much better way is to actually just make an actual time and date and a place to actually discuss these things that otherwise might be very complicated and very difficult to, to talk through. So it's much better to just set a day to talk about these things. And then when you do have these moments where you're going to talk about something, also have some rules, you know, rules for the conversation, so to speak. It can be sort of general guidelines. If you know that both of you are prone to react sometimes uh, too quickly, then set up some rules and stick to those rules. Ultimately, it's about resolving the issue. It's about communicating. It's about getting you know something resolved it's about moving the whole thing forward when you're just screaming at each other and when you're just arguing you're not really hearing each other anymore you're no longer communicating all you're doing is you're just in a sense transferring a lot of built-up emotion and frustration and, and it comes down to the person that can actually win out you know or do it for the longest that that ends up winning but it doesn't really change or improve anything um, so rather set a time and place where you can talk about things like adults, but then also have some guidelines. I'll, I'll give you a couple of guidelines if you want to, you know, just set a guideline like, for example, don't interrupt when the other one is talking. You'd be so surprised how many times I see this go down when people come and talk to me and, and they end up talking to each other, how one person would start talking about how they're feeling and the other one would either interrupt them or interpret for them or just flat out speak over them. And you can almost see how this, you know, what it does to this other person, you, you can see it, you know, in their body language, how it gets to them. So just set up a rule like don't interrupt rather than 
without interrupting, just, you know, listen more, just try and understand. And, um, and when, when you do feel like, you know, you're going to erupt, just set up the rule that, you know, when one of you feel like you're going to erupt, or one of you feel like you're getting very annoyed, you're getting very angry, just, you know, use a cue word or something to call time out on the whole thing. There's no point to keep you know persisting or keep pursuing a certain issue when both of you are super angry and you don't really hear each other anymore. It's much better to just call time out and then re-engage or return to the conversation later on when both of you have cooled down, maybe after 20 minutes or whatever. But maybe that could be one of your rules. Whenever you pick up, you're getting too angry, too upset, whatever. You just call time out and then you come back when you both feel better. You can also set up a rule like, well, don't bring up past mistakes or problems. Don't dig up old bones. Stick to the issues at hand. You know, stick to the problem at hand. Stick to the issue at hand. Stick to the thing that we've got to work through that's at hand. This is not the time to talk about things that happened five years ago. It's not the time to talk about things that happened a month ago. If that's what you want to talk about, then set up a time to talk about that. But if there is a specific issue, a specific problem, something you've got to work through, then stick to the issue at hand. Make it part of your rules going into this conversation. Also agree with one another beforehand that you're not going to call each other, you know, names or, you know, break each other down or be critical or any of those other things because criticism almost always just leads to defensiveness. It never really leads to anything else. When you feel you're personally attacked versus you're sticking to the issue or sticking to the problem and the thing that you're trying to resolve when you're becoming the problem and you're being attacked, people just tend to react defensively and that never goes down well. Also agree with one another that you're not going to use phrases like you always or you never because ultimately that is nothing else but an attack through overgeneralization. You're in a sense making it impossible for your partner to win because what you're saying is that you're always failing, you're always doing this or you're never doing something. Even though that's not the case, that's not the truth, people very rarely never do something or always do something. Even if your partner did one thing, you know, one time differently than usual, you can't use the word always or use the word never. Yet we like to use those words oftentimes because it kind of, it's all pervasive, you know, and, and it's for some reason gives us more power. I don't know. But the point is maybe agree with one another. You're not going to use phrases like you always or you never. You're not going to speak in overgeneralized terms. You're going to stick to the issue. You're not going to criticize. You're going to truly listen, not interrupt. And then, you know, a seventh one could be, well, you're just going to stick to the specifics at hand and be very specific. Another thing that I see couples do quite often is they, they tend to be very broad, very vague in terms of what they're talking about. And then, you know, the other partner wants to have some specifics and stuff, and then it gets all over the place. When you're talking about laundry being left on the floor all the time, or you're talking about money, you know, your budget being kind of ignored and money being spent that you don't have, stick to the issues at hand, stick to the specifics, and uh, and don't dig up old bones, and you've, there's no need to attack each other personally. Just talk through the complicated, problematic issue and try and move the whole thing forward. You can very easily do that when you set up the rules beforehand, when you've made a time where both of you can talk about this. And as you're doing this, you're always constantly aware of how you're speaking to each other, always trying to take care of each other. So it is super important that, you know, you've got to make sure that you use your nonverbal communication to show your partner that you're listening as well. That's the other thing. Sometimes we don't listen to understand, we listen to respond. 
but you've got to check in to make sure that you understand. For instance, if your partner is saying something, you've got to ask them. You know, you've got to make sure that you you understand what they said. You've got to understand that you that you uh, make sure that you understand what they're feeling or what they're trying to communicate. You can you know do that very simply by using phrases like "I hear that you're saying that you're you know you feel you do more at home, even though you know we're both working." You know, is that what you're saying? Is is that how you're feeling? You know, just checking in, not from a place of defensiveness or judgment, but from a place of curiosity and generally wanting to, you know, move this thing forward and, and trying to resolve the issue. But you've got to understand that in communication with your partner, at no time are either of you a victim. It is your choice how you react to anything that is being said. It is not your partner's responsibility. It is nobody else's responsibility but your own of how you respond. You've got to remember, you know, that doing things the same way every time will just keep giving you the same results. So if you keep sort of uh, responding the same way every time uh, you have these difficult conversations, if you want to have a different result in the future, you're going to have to choose to, in a sense, respond differently to do something else. If you want a different result from your communication, then you've got to change how you react. You've got to change how you say things. You've got to change when you say things. You've got to perhaps even change the type of words that you use. You've got to change the th- you know how you do things. If you want a different result, you've got to change what you do. You've got to change you know what you know. You've got to change your system and and you know your your process in a certain sense to get a different result. So uh, another example is, is, is if you know that you usually jump in to defend your actions, you know, rather sit back and just let your partner finish and take a minute or two or just a moment and two before you kind of, you know, just respond. You just do, do it differently. One, you're going to probably create such a surprise and shock in your partner um, that they'll probably won't know what to do with it. But secondly, it also gives you time to not just react, but actually think it through and uh, and think of of the you know if there's any valid points to what your partner is uh, saying in order to respond appropriately. You might even be surprised, you know, just at how much you can change by small shifts you make. You know, just if you make small shifts in, in, in even if you just change your tonality or you know you change your facial facial or your uh, whatever your voice uh, and your facial expressions, you. Might you might be seriously surprised how quickly things can change by just making small changes. So if you hear an edge in your voice, ask for a quick timeout. Apologize. If you find that your your emotions are being kind of, you know, really aroused and stuff, just ask for a timeout. Just say, look, let me just have a quick break, and you just go go walk outside, or whatever, and then just come back. You've got to self-regulate. You've got to manage yourself. Your partner can't keep tabs, you know, their finger on your pulse and and, and tabs on you. You've got to do it yourself, you know. Uh, and I know it's difficult to sometimes admit that you're wrong. I know it's sometimes hard to hear things that you don't want to hear. But what I also do know is that it goes a very long way to diffusing a situation and making something very wonderful happen when you're when you're willing to do that. So what we also know is, is that if you just look at happy couples, the way that they deal with conflict, one of the things that they do differently as an example is they do or use a strategy called strategic repairing. You know, so during difficult conversations and conflict, they would use the strategy called strategic repairing. So what it essentially is, is they would constantly every other second, you know, every other 30 seconds or so, they would check in with their partner, just make sure that they still understand. They will diffuse the situation when emotions start escalating. They will stay in control of their own emotions. They will listen non-reactively, just, you know, trying to understand. They will keep things calm. They're trying to move the conversation forward, even though the topic they're discussing discussing is it might be difficult or problematic if you compare that conversely with 
Unhappy couples, however, they have something what, what we some experts call a negative effect reciprocity. What that essentially is, is escalating anger. So it's essentially this sort of, you know, aroused emotions that just feeds on itself. So anger sort of, you know, gets underway and then it just escalates and they never do anything to diffuse it. They never do anything to redirect it. It is just escalating anger it's a negative effect reciprocity so so they rest they kind of reciprocate with negative emotions with more negative emotions and it takes the conversation a completely wrong uh, direction at the end of the day guys you you cannot change the other person you cannot change your partner but when you do change yourself you can actually end up changing your whole relationships and like i said earlier small changes in the right direction actually goes a very long way to changing the whole thing when it comes to communication you have more power than you realize both ways both directions and you also communicate more than you think you do. So if you want to improve your communication to over, you know, improve your relationship overall, make sure that your nonverbal expressions, your tonality and the words that you use all work together to in the end communicate in a constructive and upbuilding manner to in the end communicate what it is that you're actually trying to communicate rather than, you know, what you think you're communicating. I hope that was helpful. Um, I know there's much more to say about communication, but I just wanted to give you a couple of things to just, you know, chew on and uh, some food for thought. Hopefully it served you. If you've got more questions, please reach out to me personally and I'd be happy to answer those questions for you. In the meantime, as I always say, go and live and love fully and take care of each other and we will talk to each other soon. Thanks for listening to another episode of Marriage on Fire. If you found today's show helpful, please make sure to follow and share it with someone you think needs to hear this. Also, take a moment and head over to therelationshipguy.com connect with Gideon directly. Again, thanks for listening and make sure to tune in soon for our next episode of Marriage on Fire.